Dr. Zog, April 17th in the morning. I've been thinking a lot since the beginning of the pandemic about the role of resident physicians in caring for patients with COVID-19. Now you may know, but a resident physician is someone who's graduated from medical school and they're in that training period until they become a fully licensed physician. Uh, They haven't passed all their certifying exams yet and they can only practice in a regulated setting where they are receiving formal education and also doing clinical work under the eye of a supervising physician. The first person that you'll see who evaluates you tends to be a resident. They take charge of putting in orders, making those minute-by-minute decisions, doing procedures. They really do everything. You're wondering in all this what the attending physician even does. I mean, they're there supervising. So in a given shift, the residents will go see patients. They'll come back and present to me. I might go back in and corroborate a few pieces of the story and make sure that I agree with their assessment of the patient. And then I'm around to help and guide. But they're doing all the nitty-gritty work. Hospitals are actually paid by Medicare for these resident positions. It's a small amount, and residents get paid a fraction of what attending physicians do. There always is this tension between education and service. So hospitals that have residency training programs really rely on them to do the brunt of the work and to do it at extremely low cost. But residents are still trainees, and they're there to learn and to make sure they get the skills and experiences that will fully equip them to be independently practicing physicians when they graduate. So what happens when something like COVID-19 comes along? Some people feel like nothing has changed. Residents are on the front lines, working hard under any circumstance is part of their education, and we should Um, make sure that they're practicing safely and protecting themselves, but not curtail their responsibilities, their usual workflow. I think that's reasonable, maybe, in a setting where we have as much PPE or personal protective equipment as we need. But in the setting where we do not and where it's more risky to go in front of patients who have COVID-19 or we think they do, Is it fair to ask residents to take those additional risks when they don't have the benefits that fully licensed physicians do, like job security and a high income and power to decide since they're lower in the hierarchy? This is actually a huge point of debate and people feel very differently and um, and actually feel very passionately in different corners of this argument. So I thought I would take it to some of the residents I was working with and see how they felt. I think our program and our hospital has supported us very well and put us in the situation of being able to make the decision for ourselves and our own risk stratification and what our choices are and what our fears are. Um, I feel like every shift I've come on, I've had most conversations with you guys as attendings to say, um, you support me in whatever decision I make. Am I able to make the choice to either see the patients or not see the patients, to tag out if I feel that's appropriate, Yeah. Um, and have those conversations with the faculty every day. So you like the autonomy? Yeah. So the guys I'm talking to are two interns, so they're, we call them PGY1s, or postgraduate year ones. What do you think, as another first year? Yeah, I agree with what's been said. I'm, I can understand why 
maybe in an effort to conserve PPE, they've tried to, in some cases, limit the amount of people. But if PPE is available, especially as emergency resident physicians, it is, um, you know, we really do appreciate having the opportunity to say, yes, I want to partake in this COVID suspected patient. It's just part of our training and having those interactions with patients those, and the ability to have those procedures is really, really key for our, um, for our training. I guess I see that. I really see it and I value it. I guess from my perspective, I thought if I throw a resident in, say to an airway procedure, and I had the option of not having you do that, and you got sick and say got intensive care, unit level of care, maybe even got intubated, or let's say even died. I feel like I'm not sure I'd be able to live with myself. But you're also grown-ups and deserve autonomy, so maybe just making, again, shared decision-making like we do with our patients. But I feel like I should be involved in these, these like more high-risk procedure, airway management, et cetera, as this is likely not going to be completely eliminated in three months. There's a lot of subtleties when uh, discussing intubation, airway management, specifically with coronavirus. I know there's a lot of different schools of thought right now, and we need to be up to date on these and know how to manage these airways. Uh, so from my standpoint, this is something that it might differ a little bit in perspective third year versus first year, but as a third year, I think you should be involved in these procedures. That's one of our third years. He will be graduating from residency in just a couple months and will be my colleague very soon. And he and I spent a lot of time talking about how things will be different when he's in attending and he'll need to make these decisions autonomously. So he's really in the mindset of wanting to do everything that I do without being shielded at all. And I get that viewpoint. Yeah, I can see from that perspective that it's actually taking away from your education to be selectively removed from these sickest of patients. What do you think, Dave? As an attending. I'm of the opinion that there is an element of these are going to be exposed people. Or these are going to be exposed to learners. These are going to be exposed to physicians. And that taking away that opportunity is a missed opportunity for them to learn. That last voice is one of my co-attendings. He is my colleague and peer, but has an additional responsibility in the residency training program. So I look to him a lot to get some wisdom about how we should optimize the situation for our resident physicians. I also feel like that risk is something that each person has to kind of decide for themselves. Yeah. And it's, it's tough to make it opt out acceptable in any kind of culture that if everybody else is doing it, I don't want somebody to feel pressured that they have to do it as well. That was my concern, that but, it would be like a competition of valor, yeah. you know, that there would be an opt-out option, but functionally nobody would take it because of the way that it's framed. And that is that is a problem in and of itself. If someone is not comfortable taking care of someone who could potentially get them sick, if someone has reason to uh, not do it because they're immunosuppressed, or otherwise, there should be no questions asked, no pressure, no anything for them to not have to be involved. Right. But I also don't want to take away that learning opportunity from someone who does want to be involved. But maybe the way is opt in, not opt out. Like if the default is opt out, then it's socially acceptable to do that. And you can opt in, choose to opt in. Whereas if the default is opt in and you have to raise your hand and be like, I am stepping away, that's less, there's just, that's an uphill thing. What I've been doing is actually at the beginning of my shift having a discussion with my resident about yeah. and asking them, do you want to be involved? Yeah. Which I guess is a, it's not a 
direct opt-in, but it's not a direct opt-out either. Yeah. But making sure that they know that I will support them either way and prevent them from being exposed as much as I can unnecessarily, but also will support them in the care that they want to provide. I think the other thing I was thinking was, I mean, there are some groups that we want to protect. And, and I don't actually know who falls in this category, mm-hmm. but people with chronic diseases. I mean, we've had colleagues who have organ transplants and are immunosuppressed, and you would never know it, mm-hmm. right? It's not like they mm-hmm. walk around, I'm an organ transplant recipient and a physician, you know, and pregnant physicians. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something that you might keep to yourself until you're really far along, and yet everybody wants to be especially protective of, mm-hmm. of that group of people, too. And so I was thinking another way to do it might be privately um, survey our physician group, both residents and faculty, figure out who the high-risk people are, and then actually make a different policy about those. I mean, the same thing goes for our older physicians. I don't know who is what age. I, I think just kind of being smart about it might be the way to go. All right, I'm going to click off. Thank you, guys. That was really, really helpful. It's a conversation I've been meaning to have. So all in all, as you can tell, there's kind of a range of opinions. What I learned from this conversation was that our residents are not children. They are fully grown adults. They want to make their decisions autonomously or at least really contribute to the decisions that are made around them um, and have the opportunity to tag in or tag out at the very least. So it's given me a lot to think about. Um, I still see my responsibility in physician education as a big one. I want to take it seriously and do right by my resident physicians um, while also respecting what they want, expect, and need out of their residency training. So this issue has not gone away. It will continue to be one as we ride this wave of COVID throughout the country. And I'll be thinking about this more, probably evolving on the issue, and we'll loop back to it later. Thanks for listening. Be safe and well.